This is Transistor.fm. This episode is brought to you by ActiveCampaign. ActiveCampaign makes a customer experience automation platform. What is that? Well, it's a complete set of tools for marketing teams and entrepreneurs that want to engage their customers and stay engaged with them long after their first sale. So with their platform, you can create more than just a funnel. You can send each lead the right message, turn them into a, a customer, and then educate them so that they adopt your platform, stick around, and ultimately become advocates. If you think this is right for you, you can start a free trial at activecampaign.com slash build your SaaS. With that URL, you get a second month free and two free one-on-ones. We highly recommend them. Go check them out. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. This is a big, big episode today. Yeah, it's a big day. We just got off the phone with Jason Freed, and we're going to be playing that interview in a little bit. But today is also August 2nd. It is. And what does that mean? Uh, we launched one year ago today to the public. That's right. Officially launched on uh, August 2nd, 2018. So this is our one-year launch anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Happy launch anniversary! Happy launch anniversary, man. Does it feel like a year? Uh in some ways, in some ways, it feels like I've been working on this for 15 years. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and in other ways, um, in other ways, that feels about right, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. You, you've, you know, you're just recently uh, quit your full-time job and now you're full-time on Transistor. Um, I'm essentially the same. I've been basically spending most of my time on Transistor for the last, well, well at least six months. I, I do like the idea of... Uh, commemorating milestones. Cheersing over Skype with our waters. Yeah, cheersing over Skype with our waters. Do you want to set up this conversation we just had with Jason? Uh, yeah, so um, Basecamp just released a new book a couple weeks ago online called Shape Up. And it's all about sort of what they've learned over the last 15 years of building software. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the process that they've sort of evolved into uh to build software and to sort of shape their software as they as they call it this call came out of something you posted on linkedin mm-hmm. yeah i it, it was just a video clip of you and i talking yeah. and uh in some ways me struggling or us struggling in public with how are we gonna how could we do something like that as two people right and he just commented and said, "Hey, I'd be happy to chat with you about this on your podcast." So yeah, yeah. So I mean, after, yeah, after reading it, like it, it definitely resonates. But you read it as knowing that it's a company of you know quite a few people. Although as as he talked about, like the, the product team itself is is still fairly small. Yeah. But um, you know, the first thing that I think came to mind for both of us is like how how would we adapt some of this to a two person team where both of us are like wearing all the hats at different times. Like mm-hmm. how do we how do we build a process? I mean, we're a year in, but how do we build a process? How do we build these these like habits early on 
to where we can then, you know, bring in other people or I don't know, just get a better, a better cadence and a better sense of are we building quality software without getting kind of overrun with too many ideas or spending too much time on one thing. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Let's just play that right now. So this all started because John and I were talking about Shape Up, which is the, the new book that Basecamp just put out. Uh, but written by Ryan Singer, right? Yes, Ryan wrote the book. And it's all about how you folks work there. Specifically, I think, well, <laughs> to be honest, the, the part I'm at in the book is when, when you're talking about six-week cycles. And in our conversation, we were like, I wonder if that could work for what John and I are doing with Transistor. And you commented on LinkedIn, well, let's record a podcast and talk about it. So here we are. <laughs> Here we are. John, you had a specific question about, you know, um, what was it if when they were starting? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the, the book came out of, what, 15 years of experience building software as a team and a, and a growing team and the lessons that you've all learned from that. Um, but I think like a lot of our audience is small teams and, you know, mm-hmm. a single person or a couple of people trying to start a company. And I think one of the challenges that, that we've noticed with Transistor is sort of how do you structure, how do you build a product with two people? And after reading Shape Up, I think the first question that came to my mind was like, how would we apply this to a two-person team where there's not, there's not a leadership team that is, their sole purpose is to, you know, plan the product and shape the product. And then there's not other teams that are building the product. You wouldn't have all the same roles, but you'd have all the same hats essentially, where multiple people would be wearing, or someone would be wearing multiple hats, which is how it was. Like when we first built Basecamp, we had basically three people working on Basecamp, maybe four. Um, So bigger than you guys, certainly, but like still much, much smaller than we are today. Although we didn't follow all the same ideas back then because we didn't have them yet. But Mm -hmm. the fundamentals were there, which is that um, long projects um, destroy morale. Um, When things don't ship, you get frustrated, and then you also begin to second guess, uh, and then you redo again and again and again, and second guess, and like you start getting in this cycle of like, is this thing any good? It's like sometimes you just need to kind of keep moving forward on things. So, so the time horizon I think is important. Um, and like, while we didn't do six week projects back when we were starting because we hadn't come up with a six week idea, we've always tried to like get through things quickly and move on to the next stage. Otherwise, you get stuck in this circle of just working on the same thing and trying to perfect it without actually making any progress. One way to think about it is, um, like, we're, we're working on a new product right now. Um, something we said we wouldn't, we wouldn't do, but we are. Uh, we are doing now. Liars. <laughs> Not a new version of Basecamp, but actually, I mean, we, we'll be working on a new version of Basecamp soon too, but a whole new product. And um, the way it started was just a few of us exploring some ideas. And that's, like... R&D mode before actually setting into build, that is not something we scope with time necessarily. That's just like we're exploring an idea. It's R&D. It's just pure exploration. But when it comes to the point where it's time to actually begin to build things and like make the thing, um, then we shift into the six-week cycle thing. And uh, it's important because um, if you want to get something out the door, um, you're going to be working on parts of it that you don't like. And the worst thing is to be working on something you don't like for a period of time that you can't see. So at the very worst, 
any project you're working on under this method is six weeks, which means you can see the end of it right before you begin. So I think some of those fundamental truths apply even on very, 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 very small teams. And if it's just you two, then like you're both going to have to shape work together uh, or one of you shapes work or whatever, and then you get into doing the work. And then at the end of the, the cycle, however long it is for you, um, you take a couple weeks off or a week off and you shape up the next project versus planning the entire product ahead of time. It doesn't matter how many people you have. I think those ideas still apply that you want to kind of move uh, intentionally in sh- relatively short periods of time, but not too short and not too long. Kind of for us, it's been six weeks is where we settled in and then reconsider where you're going to go next after that. Mm-hmm. So it's a series of short planning moments being in the weeds on the ground to decide what to do next versus stepping so far back and deciding the whole thing ahead of time. So that those principles, I think, apply to any size. Yeah. Was this something you always had an intuitive sense about or was this something that was forged through like client work? By the time you and David were working together, did you already have some of these ideas? Some of them, but, it, but a lot of it has changed over the years. So um, when we, for, for a long period of time, we were doing like three-month cycles, essentially. Okay. Because we had a different attitude at certain periods of our existence where it's like, well, we got to get everything just perfect and like pixel perfect in this whole thing. It's like, whatever it takes is what we do. And it's like, what ends up happening is you end up spending a lot of time, a lot of the time, a large percentage of the time making very, very marginal gains. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we've, we realize that we think it's more important to, ha- to cover more surface area um, at a high standard of quality, but not the highest standard of quality, rather than going extremely deep at the highest level of quality and having it take way too long. So like, for example, this new product we're building, we are covering a lot of, we want to get a lot of surface area. There's a lot of new ideas in this thing. We want to get a, cover a lot of surface area initially. And then we're going to go back and tighten things up versus spending a lot of time in one area and making no progress on all the other ideas because you can pretty much guarantee you're going to find yourself running up into a deadline and not having the product like addressing enough of the issues you want to, you want to address if you just get too deep on one thing. But we've, we've run with different, different lengths of cycles. Um, we've had no cycles in the past. Like all what we're putting out today is what we've learned. Mm-hmm. So it's not what we've always done, but it's what we've learned and now what we always do. But a lot of these ideas point back to fundamental principles. So how we've sort of executed them over the years is what's changed, but a lot of the principles are the same. Where, where do those principles come from? Um, seeing, I've been involved in a lot of projects when we're doing client work, to, to your point, Justin. Like, you, you would just see things going on and on and on, and the circular nature of work, like people being unable to make decisions, people giving things too much time, people not getting things done and giving it more time and more time. And then you get into the situation where, like we've already invested seven months. How could we ever just kill it now? We got to keep going. And like mm. you, you just see the human human nature takes over where it's like we've invested so much in this one thing. We, we can't possibly stop it. So we got to get another month and another month before you know it. It's a year and a half late in the whole thing. And like I've seen this happen over and over and over and over. Yeah. And so we basically have what we call circuit breakers in the process, which are basically six-week cycles. It's like Things have to speak for themselves after six weeks. Mm-hmm. We, this prevents us from getting into the human nature side of things, which is like, we've already invested all this time. Like, let's just give it another two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's never another two weeks. It's never no. another two. It's like another two until you get to the end. It's like, ah, we need another 10 days. Yeah. And before you know it, you've just doubled the length of the amount of time you spent on something. And maybe it's worth it. But this is where the whole 
hill charts idea comes into play, which is that if you're going to give something more time, and we have occasionally given things more time, you have to understand where you're at in the process. Mm-hmm. So let me, I'll step back for a second. The hill chart concept, which we write about in Shape Up, which is built into Basecamp 3, was something we invented a year ago or so. We realized that work feels like a hill. It's not linear. It feels like a hill. Some things you got to push uphill and it's hard and you don't really know where you're going. You don't know how, the, how high the hill is. But once you get to the top, you're like, it's all downhill from here. Like, we know where to go with this now. Mm-hmm. So if you're at like close to six weeks at the end of, of a cycle and you're like, realize that you're running out of time and you're not going to get it done. The right question is not how much do we have left. It's how much is known versus unknown. And the hill chart tells you how much is known versus unknown. If you have a lot of unknowns left with a week to go, giving another two weeks is not going to get you there because you don't know how long it's going to take. Mm -hmm. If you have only knowns left and you're like, we actually really need one more week. We, we know what we need to do. We are absolutely certain of it. Like one more week, okay. Then you can make the argument and make the bet that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is when you're almost done and you've got a pile of unknowns left. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, you just, then you just start guessing and you're going to guess wrong. And before you know it, this thing could take yeah. two cycles or three cycles or more. And the more you get into it, the harder it is to say no because you piled up all the work behind it and the momentum's there. Mm-hmm. It's this, this stuff is like, it's just human nature and you just got to guard against it because we're all human and we're going to make these mistakes unless we put these circuit breakers in place and keep ourselves honest. Yeah. I've, I've definitely been in, in situations in the, in the recent past like that, where you actually think you're done with something and then someone else comes in and is like, what about, oh wait, I forgot about this. Right. And then it's unable to be released because it's a huge, important thing for somebody on the team. I'm going to put a plug in for Basecamp for a second, because I think the tools you use matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why I think this matters is because the tools you use and how they present the information help you ask different kinds of questions. And if you're just looking at a task, if if you're using something that's just all about tasks, and you're looking at the tasks that are left, like you get this sense that like, well, we're 95% done because we have 5% of the tasks left. Mm -hmm. Like we're almost done. That says nothing about what those 5% are. Are they knowns? Are they unknowns? Are they the hard stuff? Did you leave the hard stuff for the end? Mm -hmm. Like this is another thing that happens all the time. What we try to do with projects is we try to attack the hard stuff first. And I'm not sure if actually Ryan wrote about this. And if not, I'm going to talk to him about it because we're making a second revision of the book right now. We should talk because there's been a lot of questions coming in. People are like, how do you do QA and how do you do bug tracking and all that stuff? So (laughs) kind of adding that stuff in. But we try to make sure we attack the unknowns first because the hard stuff has to come first. If you leave that to the end, you're, you're in trouble. You're just flat out in trouble. You cannot have unknowns piling up at the end. So the problem with just like tracking tasks or on a linear line or like a progress meter or that kind of straight line stuff is that you're not asking the right questions. You're asking what's left to do. You're not asking of the stuff that's left to do, what do we know how to do? What do we not know how to do? Where are we at? Are we pushing this uphill or is it going downhill? Like those questions matter a ton and they change the conversation and they help you get things in order early mm-hmm. because you're talking about knowns and unknowns versus just stuff on a list. Stuff on a list can be prioritized. Well, prioritized by what? Like by how easy it is to do, by how, how much we want to do it. It's like the how, you know, versus like, are these knowns or unknowns? Are these hard? Is this not going to be hard? What do we know? Where are we at? It helps you f- address these things. So anyway, Different point of view, different different way to look at projects. Yeah, and it, for you folks, is an unknown everything? Is it like, for example, John was just working on a multi-episode player, and to do that, he had to learn a new 
JavaScript framework thing. So that was an unknown. But there's also unknowns like uh, who is this for and what is it for? Uh, like much more like baseline philosophical. Um, and at the beginning, you might think something's a good idea. But once you start to work on it, you go, well, we actually don't know who this is for or what they're going to use it for. There's also unknowns like, you know, what will it look like? How will it function? So are, are you talking about all of that? Or is the philosophical stuff figured out before all of this? Yeah, the philosophical stuff. Why are we building this? Who is it for? Not necessarily what's it visually going to look like, although there's like we, we come up with just a general sense. But it's up to the design team to figure out that. And it's not about like how we can implement that. That's up to the development team to think about. But the shaping process is about, and I'm going to use the word, the word confidence, which is like statistically inaccurate in a sense, because it's all just a bet. Yeah. And this is part of yeah. why we call them bets, because it's like there's risk involved here. Yeah. Um, but like by the time we t- decide to take on a project, we have to know why we're doing it. We have to be clear about what it's for roughly how it's going to work like at a, at a big picture point of view mm-hmm. not like code picture but like at a big picture point of view um and not exactly exactly how the ui is going to look but roughly like how could it look mm-hmm. Th- this is what shaping is about and a project is not ta- we don't take a project on and don't we don't slot it for a six-week cycle until all that's out of the way yeah there should be no philosophical questions in the middle of the project like if you're doing that you haven't done the shaping upfront enough mm-hmm. Because then if you get to these existential philosophical questions four weeks in, it's like everything grinds to a halt and then like no one knows what they're doing and why and then you're like stuck. So you've got to, before you pick a project, you've got to make sure you understand why you're doing that project. So the, for example, the JavaScript stuff, that's part of like the unknowns of executing the project. And you know it's, it's possible. It's just like, oh, we've got to learn that. We don't know how to do that. That's an unknown, but we know we need it. So like we can, we can do that. But it's like, I don't even know what this feature is, but like this multi, what do you call it, a multiplayer? It's a multi-episode player, like a playlist player, like SoundCloud would have. Yeah. So for example, before you decide to build that, you're like, why are we building this? Like that's yeah. part of the shaping thing. Mm-hmm. And part of our, our, our pitches or our shaped up work basically explains like, here's the problems we're addressing. Here's why we're addressing them. Maybe it's something we've experienced. Maybe it's something that's frustrating to us. Maybe we've heard customers complain about it for years. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a hunch, but like... Here's why. It's got to be part of that. And you've got to be very confident yeah. about that. Again, it's a bet, yeah. meaning there's risk. Because the only, the only way you know 100% is like by releasing the thing. That's the only moment that there's 100%. Like, and that, it's never even 100%, but like, that's the moment of truth. Yeah. Until then, you don't know. But, but yeah, I would encourage just to be really clear if I, if I haven't been like philosophical reasons, use cases, whatever those things are, that's got to be clear up front before you choose to take that work on. Otherwise, you'll never get it done in six weeks. Maybe it'd be interesting to explore how you and David did that early on, and maybe even how you might do it today if you could start again. Uh, Because like, were you initially doing that shaping work and then handing it off to David? How did that relationship work? And how would you change that today if you could go back in time i think the way we work is we 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 would never say we hand anything off to anybody Mm -hmm. there's no handing off it's very much we work very closely together in the early days when we didn't have the term shaping we that's like a term we kind of have come up with over the last you know couple of years or a year and a half or whatever it's been since we've been talking about that word um first of all when we built base camp we built it for ourselves um and so uh we were not building it for anybody else 
So our philosophical point of view was simply like, what do we want? What do we need? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was actually very simple in that regard. We weren't imagining what other people would want or how they would use it or any of those like use cases that you have to imagine. We just did it for ourselves. So that was actually quite a bit easier. But even there, if we just pause there, yeah, you've got a yeah. team of five people and everybody's got ideas about what this thing needs to be. Everybody has ideas of what this should look like. Yes. Uh, everybody has their own sensibility. E- even if you're building something for yourselves, it's like trying to take your family on vacation. Like, you know, the kids want to go to Disneyland, mom and dad. So how did you figure that stuff out? How did you shape it when you, even when you were a small team? For one, it, it helps to have a shared point of view on like what you're building. Mm-hmm. Second, there's a number of things. Second, like we, we took very small steps. So like, It'd be unlikely to have radically different points of view on like what it looks like to post a message to Basecamp. It's it's not like, you know, it's like we need to make an announcement that we need to see and our clients need to see like we need a big text area to do that. Mm-hmm. People should get a, a notification of some sort. Like we, we're not creating controversial stuff in that regard. And most products are not controversial either. Yeah. The problem is, is when people imagine like all the things it could possibly do versus like we're very good at figuring out what does it need to do. Mm-hmm. There's always disagreement, and there still is today on on everything that we do, of course. But like at the end of the day, like you you argue it out, you debate it out, and on every project we have this idea called point, where there's always a point person on every project, mm-hmm. and that hat rotates. It's primarily the, the designer on the project, but it could rotate, and it's that person's call at the end of the day. So their their job is to hear everyone out and then make a decision. Hmm. And then people fall in behind the decision. And like that's what we have to do. Because you can't be arguing the uh, forever. Yeah. So I think we argue about um some big picture stuff initially and then we don't try to argue too much about the finer points uh unless like something's really just feeling wrong for some some reason or some feature like you said like sometimes you do build something and on paper it looks great or the idea is great and then you build it and you're like shit. Ah, I don't know. And that's happened recently. Um, we've been working on some stuff where everything, like, I made the argument. It seemed great. I thought I was going to use it. Mm-hmm. And then we built it, and I haven't used it yet. <laughs> this one feature. This one specific feature. And I'm like, shit. Uh, um, and so I'm like, but here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. Six weeks. is the. And by the way, this wasn't six weeks. This was a two-weeker. Mm-hmm. So it's like, worse comes worse, we've lost two weeks. Yeah. Like, We've not lost seven months. Right. We've not lost, like, that is the worst. When you just go, this is the thing. It's like, these are all bets. So you don't want to, like, go all in yeah. on a lot of things, all right? Uh, because some of them are going to be wrong. And so that's why it's really nice to have things at maximum six weeks, uh, takes, take maximum six yeah, weeks. Yeah, it, really, it really does take the morale, the morale busting uh, aspect out of it. Um, it's really hard. I think it's hard to be, have your morale totally broken after two weeks rather than seven months and you release something or maybe you don't ever release it and never sees the light of day. Yeah. And then that whole team is just wasted for a while. Yeah. And look, I mean, it sucks to do two weeks of work and have it thrown right. out too, but like it sucks a lot yeah. less. This is all about like proportion, probability, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, not like in a mathematical way, but like essentially it's like, Hey, if you have to throw away work and it's only, it's maximum six weeks and more likely just a few weeks, like, probability that people are going to be able to get over that is quite high compared to like eight, eight months. It could just destroy somebody. Mm-hmm. Like it could. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they were disgruntled for any reason before that, like this, that's their way out. Like they're out of here yeah. basically. Like I don't want to create situations like that. Yeah. Um, but people also understand that, that occasionally like 
minds change, things don't quite work out as expected, and we have to kill a feature or something, like, or, or modify it in some way. Like that, then it's reasonable mm-hmm. versus it being like a horrible decision. Just want to take a quick break right now and thank our sponsor, ProfitWell.com. They have a brand new season of ProtectTheHustle.com out. Uh, you can search for it in your podcast player right now. A really well-produced podcast. And if you are an entrepreneur, if you are someone on a software team, these are incredible interviews with some of the leading people in startups, people who have built companies. I think you're really going to like it. Go check out Protect the Hustle. And also, if you haven't signed up for ProfitWell yet and you want to get SaaS metrics for your business, go to ProfitWell.com. All right, back to the conversation with Jason. And so going back to you and David initially, how did you work as a two-person team? Um, I mean, I might be wrong. Was it just you two working on it or were there other people working on it? No, me, Ryan, and David. Okay, Primarily. We had another guy named Matt who was on board, but he wasn't working on the product as much. Um, so it's basically three of us. But we always lead with um, design, and we always lead with, with uh, either a really quick uh, paper sketch, fat marker paper sketch, or we just jump right into HTML. Mm-hmm. And this is true today as well. Um, of course, not on iOS and Android, but um, for, for the web, for, for desktop. Um, yeah. We, we lead with HTML. So like the work is like w- within a day, there's something up. And it's basic and it's something, but now David can go and we can discuss it. And we can like, this is how it's supposed to work. We talk about it and he can start to plug some stuff in. Then we can trade back and forth. He can go, hey, you know, I can do it like you guys designed it. Could take six days to build it out like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? There's a two-day version of this. If we change this from this to that, like, what do you guys think? It's like, hmm, I think that's worth it. Let's do that. Let's do the two-day version. Like, that change is fine. Or some things like, no, no, this is really... It's got to be like this. Here's why. And like, you can't always tell someone it's got to be like this. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of, you know, you, you've got to keep someone in your pocket and, and, and give some away. And like, sometimes you decide like, this isn't worth fighting for or whatever. But um, we're, we're always trading concessions and discussing points of view. And, but, but we're always looking at something that's real, mm-hmm. which is fundamental. Because if we're talking abstractly, it's very difficult to get there. So that's why design leads... We put something out there. It's an HTML. We can begin hooking it up. Dave, you can go, hey, how about this? How about that? Would you trade this for that? Yeah, yeah, okay, let's do it. And uh, and some things are, are worth fighting for and some things are not. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of do that. It's more of a negotiation and a conversation. That's what product development really is versus like a dic- dictatorial situation where like it must be this way no matter what. I will not accept anything less than this. Yeah. It's like you can do that on one feature or two features, but like you're going to everyone's going to hate you. And what's the point of that? So. so that example that you just gave, is that an example of shaping or is that an example of a six-week cycle? Once you're into HTML and design and that kind of debate back and forth, is that kind of like we've already decided what we're going to build and now we're working on it? Yes, that's within the six-week cycle. Okay. We don't talk HTML design. Uh, we, we have a sense, like, before we take on a project, we'd, like, run it by David mm-hmm. or, or Jeff here and say, like, is this reasonable? Like, do you see a path here that we this can be done, basically? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then, like, that's the extent of it. We don't go deep into, like, making technical decisions at that point. That's for the team. This is something we talk about in the book, which is we don't assign tasks. Mm-hmm. We assign projects. Yeah. And the team decides, they, they have full autonomy to decide, like, technically how they're going to implement this, design-wise how they're going to implement this. So 
if we're if we're even talking HTML and deciding about um, there's a six day version of this or two day version of that, whatever. That's our this product's already been shaped up and we've already begun working on that. Mm-hmm. So within that period of time, um, that's when those sort of um, uh, trades happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 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 yeah. Don't don't think of um, shaping as not technical work. There's no HTML yet. There's no like. There's nothing that could ship at all. It's like it's the concept. The concept is being hashed out. And it's being presented in a way where it can be explained to others. Mm-hmm. And then basically clock starts on the Monday where we decide to begin the work. And like now it's the team can decide what's how, how they want to approach doing it. And then amongst themselves, they decide like what features are worth it or what not features, what version of execution is worth it, which things are worth doing, spending six days on versus four days on versus two days on. And like you sort of start to trade, we call it trading concessions. You begin trading concessions while you're working, but not before. I mean, I like this idea a lot. I'm Now I'm trying to picture how John and I would do this because the the idea of like, even, okay, we're going to take, uh, I think you said roughly two, you spend two weeks on shaping. I don't know if that's, if that's accurate or. There's two weeks in between cycles, typically where we, where we will shape up, fi- like shape up final projects. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the shaping process can go on for months um, here and there, mm-hmm. right? Like Ryan and I will toss ideas back and forth. We'll explore some stuff. We'll get like kind of far and then hit a roadblock and be like, eh, let's put this on the on the shelf for a while and come back to it later or have a breakthrough on something three months later that we talked about three months before. So there's a bunch of stuff that's always in motion, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. like kind of floating around. But um, roughly the two-week period before we begin a, a new cycle is when we pit, we go to the betting table, essentially, mm-hmm. lay some stuff out. Like, here are the things we think we should do next. Uh, and then we kind of sh- we Those things have either been fully shaped up or they've been mostly shaped up, and then we kind of polish them up and get them ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then they're ready to go. But the actual process of shaping up work can, can like, span. You can t- connect dots to discussions months in advance. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a moment... The only kind of formal moment is when we actually decide the projects and then like polish them up and write them up for the teams. But there's a lot of informal back and forth, playing around with ideas, discussions, observations, intuitions. Hey, we should try this sometime. Hey, should we do that? Hey, this is really irritating. What do you think? Let me think about it. I'll get back to you. There's a lot of that stuff that's happening, always bubbling, even within cycles, because it's always happening. Yeah. So, so, so it's not about like, don't think about anything until you have two weeks to think about it. It's not about that. It's like, it's yeah. like you're always thinking about stuff and you're always talking about stuff. Even while you're working, like a new idea might bubble up. So as we talk about in the book, there's kind of like these idea of the big batch, which is like the full six-week project. And there's like the small batch, which are like the two-weekers or three-weekers. Sometimes, so the way it works is a team is dedicated to a big batch or full six-week project, and then a team is dedicated to a series of small batch or couple-week projects. Sometimes we only schedule a team basically like four of the six weeks. Mm. So they've got a couple small projects to do, and we leave two weeks at the end for um, sometimes for new ideas that bubble up as we're working Mm. or like as we're building something, we're like, ah. This could be so much better if we had one more week to work on it because as we built it, we came up with another thing. So we sometimes leave a little bit of space, spare empty space in there to do that. Sometimes we don't. Just It's another way of being flexible there. One thing I've been thinking about is just how I'm used to doing all of this stuff individually, right? When you're working on an individual project, you're always thinking about it and then you're implementing it and you have this cadence that kind of 
makes sense. Jumping from one person to two, now I can see it, it feels like, wow, I need to learn a whole new skill set here because to coordinate work between two people really does require some sort of system like this, right? I think part of me is like realizing, like, how would we actually implement this? How would we, would we just take a day a week? Getting it into my natural cadence, I think, feels is what's challenging of I'm just used to like thinking about work and then doing it. And now it's like, okay, I have to learn how to do work with somebody else. And I realize I need some sort of rails for that. But implementing it is the part that I just can't visualize it. I can't visualize how I would do this, you know, on a week by week basis. Well, you're not doing it week by, I mean, what part of it? Like you're building all the time, I imagine. Like you're building mm-hmm. things, but like, yeah. I mean, I, I know you. you. You've you've got ideas. You you think about stuff all the time. Like you don't. What, what I would try to be careful about doing is like forcing yourself to think about ideas. At this, this is the moment when I think about ideas. It's like mm-hmm. not really like that. You've got stuff bubbling. You guys have a product. You're thinking about what it could do later. Um, you don't need to think about everything it could possibly ever do. Just like what are the next things you want it to do mm-hmm. and. Uh, what are the kind of the next set of improvements you want it to have? And you start to think about that and you set up like six, the next six weeks is like we're building X, we're building these features or whatever it might be. Or maybe it's one feature because it's just two of you or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But like while that's happening, you can have other ideas for other things too. And you just kind of make note of it, cycle ends, and you go, what do we want to work on next? Well, here's some stuff we've been thinking about. Do we feel like we're pretty confident in these things? Or are there tons of unknowns? Are there big unanswered questions? Are we re- do we really know if anyone wants this? And those projects probably aren't ready yet. Mm-hmm. So like, what do we feel like we could do next that we're pretty confident in? I mean, all this stuff is hard, but like, it doesn't, you don't have to make it harder than that. Mm-hmm. Um, the point, the fundamental point is that you go into, when you decide to take on a project, you have a really good sense of what's, what it's about, what's involved. There's no big unopened questions. Yeah. Um, you, that, that you're ready to go on that piece of work. That's the fundamental idea here. Because what you see all the time is that people get involved in projects and they don't really know why they're doing them and they have a general sense, but then they start to be second guess. Someone else brings a new idea in and you don't know if it's like within the scope of the concept or not. And so there's a bunch of debate that opens up. Before you know it, you've blown two or three weeks arguing. Mm-hmm. Things going all over the place. Like it's going in different directions now. No one knows where it's headed. And like you've just wasted three months yeah. arguing and not even arguing, but building, but building something that's like, it's, it's incongruent. It's sort of pointing in different directions. It's not really clear why you did it, but you did it because you were under pressure to make something. It's like, you don't want to avoid those situations. That's where projects go south quickly. Yeah, You want to make sure that whatever you're working on, you have a pretty good sense of the boundaries of it, the scope of it, the why of it, roughly the idea behind it. And then you spend the six weeks building it and then you're done. Mm -hmm. And that's the point is that you're done. So it cannot go on. Yeah. Um, and maybe the first few you do, you're like, shit, we didn't plan our time very well. But this is like anything. You've got to practice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but a big part of this is, is, you know, I think getting things on hill charts and asking the right questions as you go, which is like, where are we? Are there unknowns or there knowns? Like how much is left that we can't see? Like yeah. if we're four weeks in and there's a bunch of big fundamental shit we're totally unclear, unclear about, like we're in trouble. We got to f- jump in on that or, or we got to do this earlier next time. It's like got to ask the right questions to bring out the right, yeah. the right details of the project. So anyway, yeah, I mean, all the details, of course, are in the book. But fundamentally, that's what I'm trying to, to, to get people to, to think about. 
Yeah, I think we, we do we do some of that. I think um, I think you know I'm not going to speak for Justin, but but for me, coming from working with a group of people to basically working with for myself or with one other person, uh, you kind of you have this idea that you want to move quickly and, and ship fast, and 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 that there's so many things to do that it's it's almost impossible to know that you're doing the right thing at the time. But, you know, talking to you and hearing you talk about this stuff, it's like, it's not really that there's one right thing. There's not one right feature for that time. They're all potentially good. Um, You just kind of have to choose one that you know is going to provide, or not know, but like you think is going to provide some benefit. Kind of go with that, Mm -hmm. plan it out. I think another thing, just to be clear, is like a big part of why this works really well is that you're not planning months and months in advance. One of the problems with that is that if you have all this work lined up or if you have backlogs, like we don't believe in backlogs. If you have backlogs, backlogs make you feel guilty. This is all the shit I haven't gotten to. Mm-hmm. And planning way ahead of time is all the shit we haven't gotten to <laughs> also. And <laughs> if I planned it all out and now what I'm working on is pushing, I'm not working in six-week cycles, let's say, and now I'm letting this one thing go for three months. Well, now I've pushed off all this other, I've pushed off all the stuff in front of me even further down the road. Yeah. And the backlog is even further away from me now. Like, you're pulling and pushing at the same time. It's like you're trying to make space for yourself. It's very – it's unnerving. You, it's yeah. very stressful. I think that, yeah, we ran, we ran into that, yeah. Of, <laughs> everyone does. It's like everyone does, and they think that's the right way to work. It's like, no, yeah. it's a fucking broken way to work. Yeah, we had a call about that, and it was uh, – it was me. I was like, I was very anxious about our backlog and the amount of things that we, I was just staring at this list of stuff being like, I don't know what to work on. I'm like frozen. And, uh, Never. yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> this is, th- th- this system eliminates, I mean, backlogs, I think are dangerous, horrible things. So like, I would never have a backlog and this system eliminates that entirely. It's about six weeks. Now we decide what we want to do next. Mm-hmm. We don't look to the past to figure that out. We talk about it. What do we want to do next? Not what have we put on a list to do next? What do we want to do next? What do we feel like we're confident that we can pull off in the next six, six weeks? What's the most important next thing? What do we know really well that we could do? How, you know, all those, those are the questions, not like what's next on a list. What's next on a list is just like, it's just a list of shit that makes you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there yeah. is no, if there is no backlog, there is no backlog. Not there it. is no backlog. <laughs> there is no uh, backlog. You obviously have ideas that are floating around in your head. So is it a matter of of if those ideas stick around long enough, then they're worth pursuing, and if they just you forget about them, and it's like, well, whatever, they didn't exist anyway. Yeah, it's very unlikely that that amazing feature you need to build is is going to like the only reason you're going to remember it is because you put it on a list. Right. <laughs> no, it's it's it, you know it because you use the product and you understand where you're going and you have a sense of what you want to do and you have a sense of what people yeah. are doing and like it's that and it's also things change through context. I mean. Six months, like the problem with backlogs is they're old. Mm-hmm. It's the number one problem with backlogs. Backlogs are not current, they're old. And to feel like you have to go prune them, it's like wasting time. That's a waste of time. Context is important because what you put on a list six months ago may not turn out to be important six months from now because as you're using the product, you realize that that didn't matter anyway. Something you were so confident would matter, but doesn't matter. And now you've got old shit. Like forget the past, keep ideas current in your, in your mind, fresh ideas, things that are interesting. Don't look at everything. You're not picking from 200 things. Like you're thinking about what's in your head. What do we know? Where, where's the product deficient? I don't need to look at a list to know where the product's deficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, unless, you, especially with you guys, you're two people. Like it's not like it's not like you have a customer service team which is keeping track of complaints that you never see, and then you eventually like 
that can happen too, mm-hmm. and that does happen, of course. But so you can you can be detached from the product at some point. But right now, especially this this also this question of what should I be what should I work on next? That the problem with that is that you have a rolling you have a rolling work, and that means work can roll on also mm-hmm. like forever. Yeah. So so that's kind of the thing. Whenever you ask yourself like, well, I'm free now. What should I work on next? It's like the problem is is that is is that like. Again, there's no discipline around when to stop or when to start. It's mm-hmm. just like, I'm free now. Yeah. And so then you're like, oh, shit. Well, I can't just sit and twiddle my thumb, so I got to, like, pick something. So let me go pick something that's old. And then you're, like, working on something that's unformed, cause it's, but it's on a list. And it's like, I don't really know where to go with it. And then you stall out and you slow down again. So um, this is kind of how these things go. And, and it's, it's amazing to me that um, people put up with it, although I, I get it because we've been down that road, too, in the past. Yeah. Um, but it's not a good way to work. And yet it's like, seems to be the common way to work. And I think hopefully we, we can help change that. But no, this has been really helpful. Everything you're saying is resonating. Like I feel the emotion of the situations you're describing. And I think the only challenge of course, is before you've done it that way, before you've, you've had some sort of system around this and, um, you're used to actually Derek Sivers just has this article about old clothes and new clothes. Mm-hmm. Like you're used to wearing the old clothes and you might look at the new clothes. Like I'm like looking at it like, okay, that makes sense. But these old clothes, I'm just used to them. I'm used to waking up yeah. and going, okay, what am I going to work on today? Well, this looks good. And then, and you know, and just hoping John is working on something worthwhile. And then, you know, we're obviously talking about the future and stuff, but I think that's the challenge where I'm at right now. Is like, oh, I'm in the old clothes, and how am I going to put on these new clothes? And how is it practical with two people? Well, I think well, it's totally practical with two people. Like the size does has, has very little to do with it. I think the big question is, are you struggling enough? Mm-hmm. So if you're not struggling enough to break a habit, like if if you think the way you're working is is actually fine, mm-hmm. then you should continue to do that. Like I think. The only thing that's going to encourage you to change is motivation. When you're like, fuck this. Like, mm-hmm. we're not getting anywhere. I feel like we're spinning, we're going in circles. We're spending way too much time on things. We feel like we're running into moments where we don't have anything to do, yet there's everything to do. Yeah. Like, when you, when you have, like, when you run into those kind of moments, then it's like, that's motivation. That's a struggle. Like, there's got to be some, a better way to do this. Yeah. There's got to be a better way to do this. It's, it's like, really, that moment when I, I should, I'm going to write about this. It's one of, one of the reasons I like doing interviews and podcasts is like something comes out of your head and like yeah this this feeling that like i have nothing to do but there's everything to do yes that is a very (laughs) real feeling i think john you just described that and like that's one of those moments where like that those things should not be happening at the same time and when they are like something's wrong so it's really it's ultimately at the end of the day struggle is required to even open the door to change yeah so Again, if you guys feel like it's fine, then you should keep doing it that way. And maybe it is fine. But if you're at the point where like, this isn't going to, we're not going to be able to grow this way also. And, you know, part of it like is you, you, you need a system at some point. Like when you have two people or three people, you can kind of hack your way towards anything. Yeah. But the fourth person comes and the fifth person comes in, like you need a system yeah. all of a sudden. You can't just have like a DIY rough way of doing things because you can't communicate that to other people and then it gets really chaotic pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. it's good to, start, I think, form good work hygiene, good work habits early so when the next person comes in, they can join up with your system versus you then having to, you're flailing around and now it's too late 
and then it's even harder to yeah implement yeah something. I think I think yeah this discussion is timely too because we've we've recently been talking about maybe hiring a customer service uh, person at least part time and and I, I think we both want to but part of me is like now we have someone to manage and like mm-hmm. if we're already f- sort of frustrated with how we're planning and managing right now like how is this third person going to fit in yeah uh, so yeah start, starting those habits early I think is is a good idea cool man well. I appreciate your time. This is, uh, you're very good at articulating emotion that I think a lot of people have felt before. So the, the thing, the emotions that are inside that have never <laughs> been articulated, uh, stand-up comedians do this all the time. They, they say, oh, but this is what the way you feel. And so as you're talking, I'm like, oh man, that is exactly how I feel. Although it's never been articulated like that. I think the only reason I can do that is because I felt that way too. Like we've, we had, we've been working on this system for a long time because we've had those moments where it's like, this doesn't feel right. Like this is complicated. It's things aren't going well. Like we've had to come up with these things. So Mm -hmm. I've felt all these things and still occasionally do. It's not like what we have is not a perfect system. And even if the system was perfect, we don't execute it perfectly. Yeah. We still run into these things occasionally where it's like, shit. You know, we're, we're too far down the road here. We should have thought about these things earlier. We should have talked about this more. Like, we should have gotten this unknown out of the way. What are we going to do? God, we need to give this another week. Like, we still run into that stuff. So I still feel those moments too. But we, we try to, like, none of this is theoretical. We've This is a practical system that's been built based on, like, working on software for 15 years mm-hmm. and being very conscious of problems working on software for 15 years and, and, and human nature and all that stuff. And not like trying to come up with a, a system that sounds good on paper, but really like practical system that like really addresses the things that people deal with all the time working on projects. So I, I hope, hopefully it's helpful for you guys. And hopefully this, maybe this conversation will help others who are like, I don't quite get it, or I'm not sure what to do. And maybe they'll resonate. Maybe the emotional angles will resonate and go, yeah, that's me. I totally, now I see it or maybe not, but Thanks for allowing me to just mumble for yeah, a while. Yeah, well, maybe we should touch base again in a little bit, and we'll see. We'll, okay. we'll talk about how we were able to apply some of that because I mean, ultimately, we have to figure this out in our way as well. Having some sort of like direction to head is helpful. So, yeah, cool. Is there anything else you want uh, our listeners to know? You want to tell anyone about something? No, I mean, I'm sure you'll link up the book. This is kind of what we're, we've been talking about, Shape Up. And um, I, there was actually a couple, maybe maybe um, relevant. Uh, we, we did a couple podcasts recently on the book and had like this roundtable with, with a designer, a developer, and Ryan, who's head of strategy, who wrote the book, talking about the process and how it helps them. So we just did an episode on that on our podcast, Rework.fm. Yes. So I would link that up because that that's a good roundtable with a designer and a developer talking about yeah. how they work together on a project and sort of the changes they've seen at, at having implemented this this system. So I think that might be something people can really understand yeah, as well. That's great. Are, are, are you folks going to eventually put this in print somewhere? Yeah, the plan is, so we, we released it as a website first for a number of reasons. One is um, we wanted people to be able to like link to it and refer to like individual pages or quotes. In fact, if you select some text, you can like tweet that text. Like we kind of put that in there, you know? Um, and then the other thing was that we knew that once we put it on the market, so to speak, like we'd get feedback, like any product. 
And we realized that there's a few areas. We knew we'd be missing out on a few things. Like, what did you really want to know that we didn't quite say? And so the two things that have come up specifically, it's been a number, but the two things have been like, how do you integrate QA into your process? Yeah. And also, what do you do with bugs? If a bug comes up, do you stop everything and fix it? Do you slate those into six-week cycles? Like, how does that go? So we're currently, like, next week going to be updating the book in a few different areas to talk about that. Also, another one that comes up, the third most popular one really is about team size. Like, how do we implement this as a small team? Because we talk about how we have 50 people. The thing is, is that we don't have 50 people working on product. We have, like, a dozen or so. Yeah. So it, we're actually a lot closer to a, the small teams people already have than, than, than maybe it sounds. But we're going to talk about the difference between like three people and maybe a dozen or multiple teams working on something. So we're going to include that as well. Once we have that in place, we feel like we've really kind of nailed it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do a PDF uh, PDF version. We'll do a Kindle version. And then eventually we'll do a print, probably eventually do a print version. We'll also do an audio version. But we kind of wanted to get out there amongst the community first. Yeah. And then shape it, shape it with them afterwards, basically. Cool. Sweet, man. Well, super helpful. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the time. Yeah. Thanks for your time, man. You bet. Talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. Well, that was our conversation with Jason. It was good. Yeah, it was it was good. It was uh, a lot of insight. He really brings uh, I don't know, fresh fresh set of eyes to to these problems and uh I don't know, we hope hope you all got something out of it. Let's uh, quickly thank our Patreons, and then we will say goodbye for this week. John, who supports us on Patreon? All right, we have uh, Noah Prail. That's right, brand new. David Colgan. Also brand new. Robert Simplicio. Colin Gray uh, at com. Josh Smith. Ivan Kirkovic. Brian Ray. Miguel Pedrafita. Shane Smith. Austin Lovelace, Simon Bennett, Corey Haynes, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buddha, my brother, danbuddha.com, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta, Kyle Fox <laughs> at getrewardful.com, and, uh, our sponsors this week, Active Campaign and ProfitWell. Thanks again, everyone. We will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.